Psalm 19, we read this last week, we'll read it again. In verse 10, it says, they, referring to the ways of God, the, 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 the precepts that God has given us, they, they are more precious than gold, more than pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, his ways, by his ways, your servant is warned that in keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? God, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless. Have a blank space. Innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your, in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Last week we talked about this idea that what we need to do this year is we need to allow God not only to forgive us, receive God's forgiveness, but we also need to allow God to keep us. It's one thing for you to have a moment with God and have that moment and have it be a significant, I can think of many significant moments that I've had on a Wednesday night throughout my years. I can think of moments at camp. I can think of moments at conferences. I can think of moments on Sunday mornings. I can think of these kinds of moments, but it's a whole other thing to allow God to keep you to actually sustain your life day in and day out. Is anybody with me? I, think, I feel like we're like, it's like too windy outside, you know? It's like, it's too windy. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be interactive. It's too windy outside. See, it's, it's one thing for me to say, God, I met you. It's another thing to, for me to say, God, I know you. It's one thing for me to allow God access to a moment. It's another thing for me to allow God access to my day and to my every day and to my moments and into my relationships in every aspect of my life. It's a whole nother story. And this is what God wants permission to do. God, frankly, is pretty covert. He's like really good at sneaking moments. You know what I mean? It's like, he's like, you didn't, you didn't expect it, but I got you there. God can do that all day. Like, he's really good. It's like me scaring to Lynn. It doesn't take much. You know what I mean? I wait around the corner. He comes. I go, boo. And he jumps, and he goes four feet in the air, and he screams like, and it's, it's okay. Like, that's easy for me to do. Okay? It's easy for God to get a moment, but it's what's much more difficult and requires your participation and your permission to God is his access to your everyday life. And this is what we're going to do this year. I don't care who you are, where you've come from, what you're going to do this year, not because I told you, but hopefully you accept the invitation to give God access to your every day. But this is a challenge. It's not easy. I want to reread this scripture in the Taylor Murray translation. It says, God, your ways are a good reminder that doing stupid stuff gets stupid results. But it's also a reminder that doing things your way, there's a reward. So like, why do I keep doing stupid stuff? I honestly have no clue. So God, forgive my hidden stuff and forgive the stuff that I do right out in the open. I don't want those things to dictate my future. Then at that moment, I'll have a blank space, an opportunity for my words and my heart to please you every day. And this is what we want to do. So we want to give God access to the moment. See, friends, Wednesday nights are so powerful because it's a moment. It's a catalyst. But what's most powerful is when that catalyst causes Thursday morning to change. And it causes your attitude with your teacher that you don't like to change. 
and it causes how you go home to your parents that you can't stand or that are doing things that you feel are unfair to you, when it changes that, that's when the real fruit begins to show in your life. I want to speak tonight in the next few minutes on this idea, playing for keeps. Playing for keeps. And we're going to continue what we talked about last week uh, into tonight. Playing for keeps. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray and agree together that God is going to do something over the next uh, few minutes. God, thank you so much for keeping us safe in the snow. I got to be honest, though, I would have liked more. That's all I have to say. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little T.O.'d, but you know what? I still love you, and it's okay. But God, we, we do thank you that we have the privilege to gather as a church and to celebrate life and to worship together and, and have fun together. We, we recognize that the world is a different day than it maybe has been before, and we recognize that in places unlike this, uh, they don't get the privilege to do this. And so, um, God, we don't feel guilty for it, but we, what we will do is we'll take advantage of it. We will use this as an opportunity to grow deeper uh, and for it to embed into something, embed something into us that we can't help but love and serve others. That with everything that we do, we would desire to honor you. That we would desire to turn from our old ways and say yes to a better way. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know about you. But when I was in elementary school, one of my favorite things was recess. Anybody with me? Any, any, any recess people? I, I loved recess. I loved, um, I loved like, I remember one, one year yo-yos were the big thing at recess. I remember one time the yo-yo man came. And I'm not sure if he's still around, but there was a guy, and his name was the yo-yo man. And he would come and do demonstrations at school. And I remember, I, I never went, I was never sick, never missed school. In my 10 years on staff here, I've missed two days because of being sick. Like, it does not happen often. And I was never, I never missed school because of being sick. And this one day, I was super sick, so my mom made me stay home. And I remember getting to school the next day, and everyone's got yo-yos. Because the yo-yo man came, and he gave everyone a free yo-yo. I, I, I was devastated. We went to the dollar store that night, and we got me, it was a knockoff, but it was still a yo-yo. Then they banned yo-yos because people kept whacking each other in the head with them. So we moved on to cup stacks. This is fourth grade, first half of fourth grade. There were these things, and I'm not, I think they're called something different now, but here's the funny thing. My fourth grade teacher and her husband work for cup stacks. They tour around the world and do cup stacks competitions. I'm not even kidding you. This is the real deal. I didn't just make that up. It's actually real. Mr. and Mrs. Ansotique, they still do it. They work for cup stacks. It's crazy. So we had, you, you, does anybody not know what cup stacks is? It's literally just that. It's cups that you stack. And, but the, the cool thing is, you know, you stack them up. And then the, the goal is that you stack them and then you go in one foul, like one swoop. You know what I'm talking about? And you get it. You see how fast you can do it. You know what I mean? And so I remember that. But then those got banned because people get getting so passionate about it. And it was just crazy, right? And so we kept doing that and, and it, was, it, was, it was crazy. So after those got banned, they introduced this brand new thing called Pogs. And I don't know if anybody remembers Pogs. You probably don't because 
These two were banned. And uh, the Pogs, why don't we do this? Spencer, would you come up here? It's Spencer's birthday today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to play some Pogs with Spencer for his birthday. This is your birthday present for me. Should we sing for Spencer while he's up here? One, two, one, two, one, two, three, four. Happy, happy birthday, and this is a special day. Hey, happy, happy birthday. Your dreams come true. Happy, happy birthday from Undivided to you. Hey, let's give Spencer a big hand. Okay, sit down. Sit down. Scoot over. Okay, so here's what we're going to play Pogs, okay? And what you get to do is you get to pick a slammer. So, Spencer, why don't you pick a slammer? This is a good one, hammer slammer. It even has a spot for your, for your fingers for a perfect throwdown. Okay, you take that slammer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Simba here. And basically what you would do is you would... Put the pogs in the middle, and I would bring some, and he would bring some. <laughs> They're, like, actually interested. Okay, here, just come up here. And what you would do is you'd bring your own, and you'd probably have your initials on yours or know which ones you have. And the goal is that you slam them, and whichever ones you flip over, you get to keep. Okay, you ready? Do you want to go first? It's your birthday. You go first. It's your birthday. You go first. Okay, okay, here, here we go. Oops, that didn't count. That didn't count. I didn't get any. They didn't flip over. Okay, here you go, Spencer. However you want to do it. You don't push it. You slam it. You throw it down. Not that hard. You're going to dent them. You got, you got, no, you got three. That means I win. No, well, no, then we play until it's the end of the stack. No, you played to the end of the stack. You only flipped over three. No. I didn't mean to do it that hard. Okay, it's your turn. Not so hard, dude. Oh, see, he cheated there, but I'll give it to him. You have to let go. You don't get to just push down. Come on, you guys don't even know pog culture, okay? Oh, you see that? That's some skills, right? Okay. So now we're going to count them up. How many you got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. No, ten. That's a slammer. I got ten, and I won. I won. You suck. I rule. And even though it's your birthday, I demolished you. Can we give it up for Spencer? And um, so that was Pogs. You might be saying, Taylor, why on earth are you telling us about Pogs? Well, I'll tell you. The game got really interesting, and the reason it was banned in my fourth grade year is because we would play this thing called playing for keeps. And this was only for the experienced players. If you really wanted to get it interesting, you had different value points of, your, of the pog that you would put in and Say it's got to be level three, you know. Like you got to put in level three pogs on this one, you know. And so all this kind of stuff. So 
And what would happen is if you played for keeps, whichever ones you flipped over, you got to keep. And you could decide, do I want to put them back in? Do I want to keep playing? Do I want to keep them? There were some valuable pogs, let me tell you. And so I remember this one day playing for keeps, playing pogs for keeps. And I'm playing with this guy, Chris, and we start playing for keeps. And he throws down, we put in some of our best pogs. He throws down, doesn't flip any over. And I throw down and I flip the whole stack over. I'm talking, I had a massive slam. And I've got in that stack so many good pogs, including a very rare Ken Griffey Jr. pog. And I'm telling you, this thing was next level. I mean, this is a real deal. So I get this flip, I get this huge flip, I flip it over. And he sees it in there. He's like, dude, that's mine. I said, no, it's mine. We're playing for keeps. He said, no, I didn't mean to put that one in there. And I said, I didn't ask you if you meant to put it in there. Because you did. And this pog is mine. And he said, no, I want this pog back. I said, no. So he reaches across. And he takes the pog from me and he runs. Of course I told on him. I wanted that pog. And it's funny because he was the one who initiated playing for keeps. And it was only until I won something from him that he didn't want me to have that he changed his mind. You ever competed in something like that? Like, you bet someone something thinking that you can win, but the moment that they win it from you is the moment that you want to take back what you bet them. I think a lot of us treat our relationship with God this way. Is we say, God, I will give you everything. You're the only one that I want. You're the only one I need. And these are big statements. And we say, God, you can have it all. I'll give you everything. I'll live my life according to your way. And I understand that it's going to take a process because I don't get it all. So it's going to take a long time for me to figure this out. And by the time I'm close, I won't even be nearly close enough. And I'll get to heaven. I'll realize I had so much further to go. I'm never going to work this all out. But God, I'll follow in your way. I'm going to do, do whatever I can. I want to learn your ways. I want to read scripture. I want to know it. I want to know it from the inside out so it changes how I live. And all of this kind of stuff. But the moment that God asks you for something, that actually matters to you is the moment that you question, wait, 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 wait. I was good with you having all of that stuff, but I didn't think that you were going to take this. God, I didn't think that you were going to take that, like, I, I, I'm good serving. In fact, God, I am, I, I'm going to, I'm going to lift my hands high, and I, I'm going to, um, I'm going to listen to worship music, and... <laughs> Um, I'm going to be, like, sort of nicer to people, and it's going to be great. Like, we're, this is a good team, God. Like, I really dig it. But the moment that he asks you to actually sacrifice something that means something to you is the moment that sometimes, if I'm being real, that I step back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. God, we're, we're, did we start this round for keeps, or was this a practice round? Did, are we really playing for keeps or are we playing for keeps-ish? Because that one, just so you know, my initials are on that one. 
And God's like, whoa, whoa, here's, let me, let me rehash this. God's like, hey, you want to play for keeps? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Because I'm confident in my ability, right? I'm, I'm good at pogs. It's like, you sure? Yeah. It's like, you really sure? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. You know, asterisk, goes and dies, rises from the grave, comes back. I won. I'm like, dang, dude, you did win. That was pretty good. That was a good move. Like, I didn't expect it. You died. Pogs were on their way up, not turning. You rose again, flipped them on their head. I mean, that was real. La- I mean, unexpected, God. I mean, I got to tell you, that was an interesting move. I didn't, like, sideways, you know, caught off guard. That was crazy. But you did it. And good, God, that was kill. High five. I, I really liked it. Okay. Um, can I have your habits, please? Whoa, well, okay, God. So, um, I'm good, like you won, okay? I'll give you that one. But I like my mornings, okay? And so, you can have my Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, but please don't ask me to sacrifice. Um, God's like, hey, hey, can I have your sexuality and how you see your sexuality, well, no, God, you're not worthy of that. I mean, you died and you rose again, but my sexuality, that, that matters more. And God says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, no, no let's, let's, let's get this back in order. I asked you, did you want to play for keeps? And your words to me were, yes. Let me rephrase it. You worshiped and you lifted your hands and had a moment in prayer, or whatever it might be. Could have been here, could have been on your floor in your room. Where you said, God, I'm at the end of myself, and I understand I don't get all of this, but what I will say is I'm going to commit my life to you, I will follow you, and as I stumble my way through it, I'm never going to forget that your ways are higher than and transcend my own. Are you with me so far? And so when God said, we're playing for keeps, he's saying, you're giving me permission and access to everything in your life. And this is a scary thing because there are certain things that are easy, but there are certain things that are hard or they're unpopular or they're inconsistent with culture and society. And I'm not trying to paint culture or people or any system or a group of people in a bad light. But what I am here to say is that when God asks you, there are certain times he will ask you for something that you don't want to give up. Can I have your relationship? Yes, um, at a certain point when I figure this stuff out. And God is saying, I didn't ask you. I should have rephrased it maybe, Taylor. I told you we're playing for keeps. You said yes, and I won. Here's what he says. You were bought with a price, so honor God with your life. It's 1 Corinthians, if you want to write it down. 1 Corinthians, I believe it is 6, um, 620. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought with a price. Friends, Jesus didn't buy us with um, the right words and some sort of weird transaction. No, on the contrary. We were bought with a price, the ultimate price, where he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we, you and me, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Meaning there was a transaction, we were bought with a price, and so the reasonable response that we have is to honor God with our bodies, with our life, with everything that is in us. It only makes sense. He says we're playing for keeps. 
So, Taylor, I need you to give me access to that thing that you've been holding on to. I don't know if you were ever this way, but I, I, I used to do this. I would, there were certain pogs I would not play with. Certain ones that I really liked. I didn't want to get dented. They were in mint condition. I mean, I'm telling you, I had plastic pog holders. I'm not talking about the tubes. I'm talking about for one pog. It was a pog sleeve. <laughs> I still have them in my garage right now. And you might be saying, Taylor, you're a loser. I'm, I'm here to say I know. <laughs> and I'm totally secure in it. Like, I got to, I'm not going to, okay. I'm not going to get into it too much. But I'm cool, okay? But there are certain ones that I didn't want to give up. Because I was afraid what might happen if I put it in the stack. Can I, can I challenge and encourage you that whatever you put into the stack, you're giving God permission and access to it. And this doesn't always mean he's going to take it and keep it. Sometimes it means he's going to take it and trade it for one that is much better. Because God's plan always transcends and is far better than anything that you could ever drum up. But sometimes it takes a sacrifice, a willing to let go of one thing that is in your hand so he can place something new in your hand. And I believe that in this year, 2020 and beyond, if you give God access, he will take things from you. He will take things that you like. He will take comforts. He will, for some of you, in here, you are engaged in relationships and friendships and people that you surround yourself with that God is asking you to give up. I'm not saying he's asking you to abandon them. I'm not saying that he's asking you to judge them. But what he is is asking you to redefine how you relate to those people because they are pulling you down. And he's saying you are limiting yourself from all of the great relationships that I want to give you. And until you and I are willing to give God access and submit, God, I'm, I'm giving you this knowing that I may never get it back. Then we're not going to ever be able to see what God truly wants to do. And I, I, I think that if we're a Jesus follower in here, most of us would raise our hand and say, I want God's best for my life. I, I don't need you to raise your hand, but I do. And I think that most of you do too. But sometimes... It means putting that one pog into the stack that we didn't want to give up. But see, this year we're not giving God permission to just play, but we are saying, God, I'm going to play for keeps this year. I'm going to play for keeps, knowing that whatever I give you, you're going to give me something far greater. See, I think some of us approach God through this lens of he just asks me to do all this stuff and sacrifice all these things and say no to all these things and all this kind of stuff. We, we rage against it, right? Because it's like, I don't want to be controlled. You know, I'm my own person. and I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do me, boo. You know, or you do you, boo. You do me. I'll do me, be, boo. Something. Didn't work. It didn't work. It's okay. It didn't work. But God is saying, hey, I I'm never demanding anything of you. I'm actually, I'm real good at this. And I've got some real valuable pogs in my pocket. I'm going to sneak them in the, into the stack. But you got to be willing to put your best in. 
Maybe write down, just take, take a second. Write down something that you know that God's maybe, and here's the deal. 99% of us probably already know exactly what it is. That one pog, that one area of our lives that God has been knocking at our door for a while now saying, I need that. I need access to it. What's the relationship? What's the habit? What's the time of day? What's the place? What's the attitude? What's the plan? Because again, we're not just here to pick on the negative stuff. Because friends, if we're being honest, there are great things that we have in life that we, we build our lives around and plans and ambitions and all these things. And I'm not here to say that those are bad, but I am here to say that God deserves access to every pog in your stack. When you give him access, he'll always either allow you, he'll give it back to you with a new perspective or he'll give you something far greater. I want to give you three things, what it means for God to keep us. We'll read it again. Forgive my hidden faults and keep me from my willful sins. May they not rule over me. Here's what it means for God to keep us. Number one, keeping me, God keeping me means for me to say yes before he asks. For me to say yes before he asks. Keep me, he says, keep me from my willful sins. And this right here is David giving God future permission. God, if you ever ask me to go, I'll go. God, if you ever ask me to surrender this relationship, I don't like it, but I'll do it. God, if you ever ask me to submit my truth to your higher truth, then I'll do it. I might contend with it. I might fight with it, but I'm willing to surrender it. Because what we're doing in 2020 is we're giving God a blank space. What is the thing that you need to surrender? What's the pog that you need to put in the stack? What's the thing that God has been itching, scratching, knocking at your door, trying to get you to give him? If I'm being honest, there are certain things in my world, and it's been different things over the years, that God on a constant basis is, he's knocking. He's, Taylor, it's been too long, bro. It's been too long. Noel hates it when I, uh, I'll come into the house and I'll do this with my shoes. I'll just put my, the back of my shoe up against the side of the other shoe and I'll just pull my feet out and I'll leave them right there in the hallway. Or, depending on how full my hands are, I'll walk straight into the kitchen and I'll set them onto the counter. And then just right there, I'll take my shoes off and leave them there. And there will be times where my shoes are out for days at a time. And the other day, Noelle came up to me. She says, Taylor, there are seven, I don't even own seven pairs of shoes. But somehow, there were seven pairs of my shoes on the floor scattered throughout the downstairs of our house. She said, Taylor, there are seven pairs. Now, unless you plan on wearing all seven of these pairs of shoes today, there's no reason for them to be out on the floor. I said, Noel, I just want easy access to them. I've asked my shoes for access, and they've given me access. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is she's been bugging me about this since we had our last house. We've been married for almost 12 years, and this is a thing that I still do. And guess what? I'm going to get home tonight. I'm going to walk in the door. I'm going to take my shoes off right there. And if the Holy Spirit reminds me, I might say, God, God, okay, 
I'm going to think about that tomorrow, but I'm too tired to put him in the closet right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the funny thing is, is she's been bugging me about this for so long. What has God been bugging you about? What's, what's God been bugging you about? Because I'm confident that if you say, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to work on this thing. It's not in your own striving that you find a new identity. It's from your place of knowing who God says that you are and how much he loves you and knowing that whether you do it or not, he hasn't changed his opinion about you. But from that space, that as you start to take steps and say, okay, God, I'm giving you access. Every time I take my shoes off, putting them in the closet. Every time my parents ask me to do something, I'm going to pause and instead of resisting, rolling my eyes, letting out a sigh, I'm going to respond with, okay, mom, absolutely. Is there anything else you need? What what are we doing? Is we're saying, God, I'm giving you access and every day I'm going to work on this, knowing that what it's going to do is it's going to form something on the inside of me and work its way out of my life. And this is where the true fruit begins to come. Number two is this. In order for God to keep you, you trust the process. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like people who post on their Instagram, it all says trust the process. <laughs> trust the process. But let me change it. You trust the process by working the process. Trust the process. By working the process. Let me tell you how not to trust the process. Let me tell you how not to do it. As you go to the gym and you sign up for the gym, <clears throat> Maple Valley Fitness, nine bucks a month, and you get real motivated because you know summer, it's just around the corner. I got to get my abs back. So I'm going to. I'm going to sign up for the gym, and I'm going to go like four, maybe even six days in a row. And every day, you better know I'm looking in the mirror. Trust the process. Trust the process. But then after six days, I don't see any difference. I'm like, God, I'm trusting the process, you know. But what's happening and God's like, you're trusting the process, but you're not working the process. And the funny thing is, is that we often want to trust a process that we're not willing to work. I'll say it again. Some of you, you want to trust the process, so you show up on a Wednesday night, and you think that the process will work you. But it's the other way around. Is Wednesday night is the signing the membership agreement. It's the Thursday morning when you show up back to the gym and say, I'm here beyond the trial. I'm not here for the one-month free trial to see if I like this gym. This is the Wednesday nights, friends, the events, the opportunities that everyone gets opportunities to do. Those, Those are the promotion coupons that you get in your email. The real working the process is come February, when everyone's goals drop off the cliff, that you keep showing up to the gym, knowing that you're not in it for summer, that you're in it for life. 
that you're in it for a lifestyle. And this is where the change is going to happen in your life. When you commit now to something that's going to change your life when you're 17 years down the road. Where you're saying, I'm not just trusting the process, but I'm working the process. Knowing that as I decrease myself, that God increases his image in my life. And he begins to change me from the inside to the outward. And some of us, we want to change the outward, so we'll show up and we'll lift our hands higher and we'll sing louder and, and we'll do one little thing and here and there and it makes us feel good. And it's, those things are good because they're catalyst moments. They're so important. But they're just meant to be checkpoints, glue, that stick the rest of the days together. The Thursday and Friday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon and Saturday morning and late into the night. And when you're discouraged, when you're feeling great at the top of your game and when you're with people and when you're by yourself. That in all of those moments, that those are when the process is truly worked. That you're giving your life to this thing. Friends, I'm not here to get people to show up on a Wednesday night. That doesn't matter. If all it does is get more people to show up on a Wednesday night. But if I'm getting a moment where when I come into the presence of God and he does something in that to remind me who I am, remind me how much I love him or how much he loves me and remind me what I'm called to and give me reminders of who he's called me to and say, look around, you're not in this fight alone so that when I wake up on Thursday morning that something has changed on the inside of me that causes me to live differently than I did the day before. Then is when the process truly works. See, we, we can't just work the, we can't just trust the process. Gotta, Work the process. Number three, and I'll invite the band to come forward. Number three is this. God keeps you when you accept what he gives you. This is my favorite one. Because I remember many times losing one of my favorite pogs. And I was confident. Like the worst was when you played on you know, some sort of rubber or carpet where you flip the pogs over, you flip them over, and it looks like you just got them, but then they land and they flip back over. And the very thing that you thought was in your grasp, you lose. I remember in high school, the relationship that I was in, it was the relationship I thought was going to be my life. I thought, this is it. She's the one. I thought, this is, this is my deal. This is it. Couldn't my, I could not imagine my life otherwise. Some of you are looking to the person next to you like, I can't imagine my life without you. Now look back at them and say, too bad. We need to talk tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But... I remember, I remember this moment. I didn't ask for the moment. But as I look back, it was the faithfulness of God to take something that really meant a lot to me. One of the best ways that you can know that God is demonstrating his love to you is when he takes something from you that matters. I didn't like that what happened was 
in a round of a couple events within less than a 24-hour period, the relationship that I was so secure in, I lost. And I was depressed for like three months. I was bummed out. I would cry myself to sleep. Oh, I was sad. I felt alone because my identity was in this relationship. Let me give you a, a, a bonus. Here's how you know you need to break up is if you can't imagine your life without the person. That's the very time that you need to break up because God never gave you this person for them to be your identity. And if another person is your identity, then you've misplaced it. The only way that you can ever find your identity, the only way that you can discover who you truly are is through Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other identity. There's no higher understanding. There's nothing that you can reach or achieve that will get you to understand who you are other than finding your security in the one, Jesus Christ, there is no other way. That's it. And when you find yourself in that, everything changes. I remember losing this relationship. Remember, she broke my heart. I mean, she really did. I was, I was sick over it. I remember one day sitting in my APGI, I think it was, American politics, government, and something, industry, or I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been like seven to 15 years, something around there, seven, 18 years, something like that. Graduated sometime between 2003 and 2015. And, uh, and I remember my friend Ruben, I was just moping. We're, we're in this, in between in class, and we're sitting. I literally have an image of where it was, and I'm sitting in my desk, and he's about three feet to my right. And he just looks at me. He said, Taylor, I'm tired of you being so depressed. When are you going to shake out of this and realize that there's someone way better than her? And something just clicked. Because in that moment, it wasn't a God encounter necessarily. I think it was a God moment. I don't know if God prompted him. I don't know what it was, but something clicked in me that the only way I was going to see what God really had for me was when he had permission to take from me what I thought he had for me. And when he took it, it hurt. It stung. It didn't feel good. But I'm so glad that he stole it from me. And I wouldn't trade what I have now in a million years because God's thoughts are higher than mine and his ways, his goodness. And I don't get it all, but what I do know and the pattern I see all throughout scripture is when you're willing to surrender, God never leaves you hanging. David said, same one who wrote this Psalm, he said, I've lived and I've been through a lot. But one thing I know, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Some of us think that if I give this to God, he's gonna forsake me. He's gonna turn his back on me. He's gonna ignore me. He's gonna forget me. And can I tell you, that is the opposite of true. That every time that you surrender to God, God is waiting there ready to give you something far better than you could ever imagine. But you gotta be willing to surrender. Gotta be willing to let it go. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?